This podcast is sponsored by ebookit.com, self-publishing solutions for the independent author and small press. Visit us today at ebookit.com. Welcome to the Toastmasters podcast, the official podcast of Toastmasters International. Hello, everybody. This is Greg Gazin. And I'm Ryan Levesque. Ryan, I hear from everybody. I don't have enough time. I have to work late. I got to take the kids to soccer, fix the fence, volunteer obligations, and all of these things are burning me out. But I never thought that perhaps maybe some of these external factors are not really the cause. And wondering, maybe it's my own internal behavior patterns that are the root cause. Today's guest will answer that question and offer up some advice on managing our own mental state. Ryan, who is our guest today? Today, we're speaking with Sarah Mayer, the CEO of Sarah Mayer Consulting. Sarah is a strategic business consultant who believes you can set and crush bold goals without working double time. She's a distinguished Toastmaster currently serving as the Program Quality Director for District 3 in Arizona. Sarah wrote an article in the July 2023 issue of the Toastmaster magazine called, Are Your Behavioral Patterns Causing Burnout? Advice for Managing Your Mental State. Joining us from the greater Phoenix area, Sarah Mayer, welcome to the Toastmasters podcast. Welcome. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Sarah, before we get into the topic of today's conversation, we would love to learn a bit more about you. Could you share with us some of your background and how did you become a strategic business coach? How did your career evolve into that? Oh, that's a loaded question. So I started my career in higher education, and then I migrated over to nonprofits. Basically, I was put on this project to research what top performers were doing and why they were successful. And I made a very interesting discovery at our company that they actually were not the top performers. They were outworking everybody. They were working more than anybody else. And when we aggregated their metrics, they actually were the middle to bottom performers in the company. So I went on a hunt to try and find the people who were only working 40 hours. What were they doing and what were they achieving? And I found that they were incredibly driven. They would set goals every day. They would achieve them, but they were very consistent that they would go home at the end of their shift and leave their work at work. So I started that project and uh, my company asked me to really look at the metrics for the company. And I said, is this the culture we want to have here that in order to be successful, you have to work all the time? And they said no. And so then we went on this project to level set the culture. And that's how my business started because of the actions that that project that we took as a company and that project that I led, people started hiring me on the side to help their entrepreneur wife who was working 24 hours a day or their husband's company who they were working all the time. And so that's how my company began. And I truly believe that you can accomplish all your goals without working 24 hours a day on every holiday and every weekend. Wow. So am I hearing this correctly, Sarah? I think I heard you say that the company, to put it in my own words, took a stand and said, okay, even though there are people who are performing at the top, they're doing it in a way that's so out of balance that we want our 
employees to have balance. And then it sort of resets who the top performers were based on who's working reasonable hours and still at the top. We actually found two issues. So it was employees who were working all the time. Mm -hmm. And then we, the company had grown from like an eight to five company to a 24 hour operation. And so we had some issues in the company where we were giving people leads at all. We had a sales component. So we were giving people leads who worked seven to three at midnight. And so one of my questions was, why are we giving somebody who works seven to three leads at midnight? And then that person felt obligated to respond. So we kind of created this culture, but we had a very high turnover rate. You can actually measure divorce rates in companies because they take their spouses on and off insurance. We had a very high divorce rate. Mm. And so the company, you know, when I asked the question, is this the culture we want to have here in order to be successful? you have to work all the time. And they said, no. And we took a hard stance. We actually cut people off their computer, their email, everything at 30 minutes after their shift ended. Cause most of the employees were hourly. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I wonder, did um, the people who had been working crazy hours end up adapting and still performing, be, maybe being more productive by working less? It's actually funny because I was quoted that song, like, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I used to say that to the team all the time. Like, you need to go home. I said at first, and then people are like, we don't want to go home. I'm like, all right, well, you can't stay here. Um, so at first, <laughs> there was a big, like, a sharp response. And then as the changes started to roll out and people realized like there was like a clock ticking, like you only have access to this email for eight and a half hours. Mm. So you really need to get your work done because when that clock <laughs> ends, like you can't, you can't just let it roll on until later in the night or deal with it later. And so a lot of things changed and it was really cool to see people who you just didn't know how to work. You know, we never take a class in that. Like nobody sits you down and says, here's the most effective way to work. And let, let me help you perfect this. And we really were able to teach people how to work more effectively and more strategically and created a, a much happier culture. Which of course, that's a perfect lead into our, our topic today, burnout. And Sarah, burnout seems to be one of those catch-all terms. And again, just to start to lead us into this particular topic, can you help set the stage for our chat? Maybe perhaps define what burnout is. So burnout really is that state of emotional, physical, and maybe mental exhaustion. And it's really caused by prolonged stress. So it's not something that you just get one day. It's something that builds over time. And it can leave you feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, maybe even disengaged. You may have something that you were really excited about and now you just don't want anything to do with it. So those are the signs that may be leading to burnout. And sometimes it even can manifest into detachment and maybe being cynical or negative towards a project or whatever you're working on. Hmm. So quite often when we tell somebody, oh, we feel burnout, they say, oh, just, just slow down, take on less, say no. But it's it's really more than that. Yeah, mm -hmm. it is. 
Sarah, as a coach, how can you discern or help someone discern if they're experiencing true burnout or if maybe they're just being lazy or in a slump? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. I think sometimes it has to do with going back to what I said earlier, we're never really taught how to work. So sometimes it truly is the way that we are setting up our day or a, a client may be setting up their day, or they may be they may truly be taking on too much or not thinking about their year when they say yes. So I like to dig into their work habits. Um, it sounds really odd, but I do have sessions where I just screen share their computer for a couple of hours. After the first 20 minutes, they forget I'm there and watch them work. And that's where I can tell, is this a, I don't know how to work or I don't know how to be productive problem, or is it they truly are burned out? They have some of the other emotional and physical exhaustion pieces that are a little different than just not knowing what to do. That makes sense. Now, Sarah, obviously your article is in the Toastmaster magazine. Much of our audience is comprised of Toastmasters. And as you know, as someone who's been part of the organization for a while, Toastmasters is one of those things that people can throw themselves into and overcommit (laughs) to get out of balance with. And as someone who moves into district leadership, Uh, All of a sudden, there are new opportunities, new challenges, new responsibilities, which for the chronic overcommitter means Mm -hmm. lots of new temptations. As an overachiever yourself uh, and someone who's taken a district leadership position, have you managed to fulfill your commitments without dipping into burnout? And if so, what have been some of the most important strategies you've used to avoid it? Yeah. This is not my first volunteer organization, and I learned a long time ago that people would come to me and ask me to do things, and I used to say yes to everything. And when I really dig into that, I felt like I was helping them out and that if I didn't do it, there would be no one else. And I've learned over time that that's not necessarily the case. And people tend to tap people for future leadership that they know will get the job done, that are maybe more prominent. And, you know, there's that saying, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. And over time, I've learned to really think about my priorities throughout the year and decide, is this something that fits along with my personal and professional goals? And if it is, and I'm excited about the project, I'll say yes. But if it's not, I stopped saying no. So when people would ask me to do something, I don't say no anymore. I always say, if it's something I'm not going to work on, I say, do you know who would be really good at that? Or do you know who's looking for an opportunity just like this? And I try and connect that person to somebody else. And that's how I've avoided burnout because it's allowed me to give opportunities to other people to remove some of the guilt by not being able to help somebody out and to really think about people that maybe others aren't thinking about because they're not the one raising their hand or really out there. But through the connections and networking, I know that that would be a good opportunity for them. Brilliant. Let me practice that right now. 
Let's see. <laughs> oh, you should talk to Greg Gazin. He is all about that. <laughs> yep. All right. Cool. I'm going to add that one yeah. to my tool belt. I get that with podcasting. It's like I get districts from all over the world contacting me about podcasting, and I'm certainly happy to share with them and do some educationals, but I think we need to get somebody else involved, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> He's been looking for opportunities. <laughs> yeah. Oh, funny. Yeah. If you haven't noticed already, Sarah, we kind of toy with each other all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know who to ask now. There you go. But this podcast, this this is about you, Sarah. So I would like if you would be willing to pull back the curtain just a little bit and perhaps share an experience or share with us a, a t about a time that maybe you had burnout. What did it look like and how did you navigate through it? I worked for a company that had recently been sold and that company had a lot of shifts going on and they had a lot of uh, things that they needed to overcome with the sale of the company. And I knew that I was truly, truly burned out when, you know, I was in a role that I had wanted for many, many years and I hadn't just recently achieved that role, but the, the spark was gone. Every day I didn't want to go to work. I knew that I had a list of things to do that was going to lead well into the evening. And I just was really negative about my day every day. And in that company, I was working with students. And so when you're the face of that campus and you just don't even want to be there every day, I was going to work later, which is, you know, one of the first signs sleeping in not really excited to jump in the car. And so that was a, a state where I knew that I needed to make some changes in order to do what I needed to do in that role, but also for my future. And I started to really ask myself some questions about, is this the position that I want to be in? Is this the company I want to work for? Or is this something that I can adjust in my life that I can bring that excitement back? And so that was, you know, one of the roles I knew that I was not really myself. I felt like I was kind of lazy, even though I was getting a lot done. I still felt like, oh, well, I have all this other stuff to do. So I must be lazy. Sarah, we know that Toastmasters is a life changing organization and an experience. And it's also a volunteer organization. So I wonder, what would you say to someone who's maybe experiencing burnout or on the brink of burnout and they're reevaluating their priorities and they think, you know, Toastmasters is great, but it doesn't pay the bills. And yet at the same time, there is some real value there. How, how do you help people parse their various obligations? And when it is something that's, let's call it important, but not urgent like Toastmasters, how do you still fit that into the package? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I, I'm going to split it up into two chunks. So I think the first part is for you as a Toastmaster to annually set, well, anybody should do this, annually set some personal and professional goals. What are you looking to learn or do in the year? And sometimes you find yourself in these things that carry over year to year because, you know, nobody else is raising their hand to do it. 
but people just assume that you're going to continue to do it. And so really setting those new goals every year and then talking about the things that you're looking to offlift to others, because many people are looking to learn some of the similar things that you learned when you took on whatever role or task or project. And so when you start to talk about like, hey, I've been the you know, district podcast chair or if whatever the role is. I've been the district podcast chair for five years now, and I'd really like to help mentor somebody to do this. People might not even know that you're looking to give that role away. And so moving more into a mentorship role is a great way to start to reevaluate your tasks or priorities or things that are kind of lingering on your plate is to first move into a mentor role and tap somebody else. And the other thing with, you know, when you're thinking about Toastmasters and it being a volunteer role is to set times when you're going to work on your volunteer role. And that helps so that the Toastmasters day is not a full day or doesn't bleed into other things. So I have two days that I have just a block of time where I put on my calendar for four hours, I'm going to work on Toastmasters. And then I just make a list in that calendar appointment. And when I get to the end of the time, then I move the rest of the list to the next day. And I think that's really important to keep Toastmasters as something you're excited about, but not something that is a dread every day. Like, oh, I have this list of 50 things I have to do and it, I just didn't get to it. So I still have this list of 50 things. Yeah, I'd like to share a little experience on that. About three years into my Toastmasters journey, I was taking care of my dad who had suffered from a stroke. I was running two businesses. I was also the vice president of education and area governor, now called director, in that same year. And I was suffering severe burnout. But I I took the perspective that Toastmasters was not something extra I had to do, but it was something that became part of my life. And in fact, I would look forward to that 90 minutes (laughs) every week. And for me, it was also solace. And in fact, I blocked off that time. I still remember a client asking me to meet on Thursday nights and I told him I couldn't and he was kind of annoyed. I said that I made a commitment to go to Toastmasters on every Thursday evening. He goes, oh, Toastmasters. My dad used to be a Toastmaster. (laughs) Okay, no problem. We can move the meeting to another time. But when I looked at Toastmasters as being something that was part of my life, even though it was sort of an important but not urgent, as Ryan referred to, I found that that really helped me fit. And it did take a while, but it did help me fit in. And of course, 22 years later, I'm I'm still here. <laughs> I love the idea of really incorporating it into your life. And that goes back to that plan at the beginning of the year. You know, you say, these are my goals for the year and these are the things I want to experience. And that's the whole package. It doesn't need to be, well, this is the volunteer experience and this is my personal experience. Like making that your your whole year or multi-year plan, I think is really important. And then figuring out how to balance all that together. Yes. I think you said that a little bit more eloquently than I did. (laughs) Sarah, I wonder about when there's someone in your life who, uh, again, may be experiencing burnout or at risk of experiencing burnout. As a coach, of course, you've got clients paying you 
to point out these difficult things. But what about when it's a loved one or a colleague and you want to broach that conversation without the person getting defensive, as many of us would do? Do you have any thoughts on how how to make that work? Yeah, I actually have two takes on it. I guess that's my standard answer. The first thing I will say is we need to be really careful about tossing the word burnout out. So I hear a lot where people are like, oh, she's burned out. She's doing a lot of things. Or we can't ask this person because we will burn them out. And we need to be careful about assigning that label to people or assuming that they will become burned out because we've asked them to do certain things. A lot of people talk about burnout now, and there's a difference between burning people out and running people out of volunteer opportunities. And so I'm very careful about not labeling people as potentially burned out. So to answer your question about if you really are seeing someone that may be experiencing burnout, you would be seeing things like them maybe being a little more emotional than they normally are maybe not even starting some of the projects that if you're their leader were assigned to them or continually procrastinating things they may be a little passive aggressive they may avoid conflict or not communicate with team members directly or or even get defensive when asked about maybe certain projects that are lingering So I think it's really important to make sure that you're actually seeing those behaviors before you approach somebody about, hey, you might be burned out because you're on five committees. Those may be the only five things they're doing. So really Mm. seeing those behaviors. And I think it's important to approach it from a place of curiosity rather than a place of hey, I I see this and we need to fix this because I think that backs people up against the wall. So I've had employees that I was seeing, you know, some of the burnout signs. And one of the things I asked them was, you know, are, are you enjoying your job? How are things going? What do you love about what you're currently doing in your role? And I was going down the burnout road, but when I heard them and I really just listened they were able to say and identify, well, I'm just really burned out. Or I just don't feel like coming to work because this person that I work with is really difficult. Or this thing that I'm working on is not what I'm trained in. And so I I don't even start it and I start working on things that are, you know, not as high priority. And so I think it's important to have that conversation in a way that allows them to self-identify those things. And then at the end of that conversation, maybe offering, you know, how might I help you? You know, if somebody says, you know, I've been doing this role for five years and nobody will take it over and I don't want to do it anymore. How can I help you find somebody who would be good at this, who would be excited about this and who you may be able to mentor in the process and create an exit plan for you on this particular task or role? So I think it's really important to not just walk around labeling people as possibly burned out, but then to allow them the time to have that conversation and get their frustration out and to really tell you what they are truly feeling or thinking and then come at it from a solution-oriented standpoint. 
Well said. Sarah, you mentioned running out. I I caught you saying the word running out. Could you just maybe elaborate a little on that? Yeah. So a lot of times as leader, I've worked with leaders in companies or I've worked with leaders in nonprofit organizations or volunteer opportunities. And people will say, well, that person's really burned out. They've been doing this for years. And then when I have sat down and talked with that person, they're not burned out. They were run out of that position or run out of that organization. So people were mean to them. They criticized every you know, move they were making or they just didn't feel supported. And so I think there's a big difference between somebody getting burned out and somebody being run out. Yes, now I get it. Okay, because I was just thinking running. I'm going running away, running out. Okay, no, that makes that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So as leaders, I think it's important to ask, are we burning people out or are we running them out? I mean, obviously, you're very, very strategic in, in your approach. And in fact, in the article, you lay out a number of causes for burnout. You also offer up a number of tips. Now, one of the challenges I know, even for myself, is sometimes as people, we're very hesitant. We have trouble with, made ref, you'd made reference in the article to things like setting regular bedtime hours, saying no, or, you know, delegating. What are some of the things that they can do to help avoid that burnout or to reduce the burnout effect? I'm a big proponent in how you work and how you work every day really determines how successful you'll be as well as how many hours you spend at, at your desk. And one of the biggest things is there there's no such thing as multitasking. Basically, when you're working on multiple things at one time, you are actually shifting focus multiple times. And that leads to projects lingering forever. So one of the best ways to avoid burnout is to work a schedule, use a planner, some type of scheduling app, and scheduling breaks for yourself. So we have many people who are self-employed, and I always joke that you in November should send yourself an email that says, just so you know, if you don't use your vacation, it disappears in January. That's what happens in a big company. So why not do that to yourself? It forces you to take your vacation. And so I think it's really important to use a schedule to create working hours, and it can be whatever. You know, I have a lot of people who love to work night hours, but creating that schedule really helps. And then being focused. So instead of like sitting down at your desk and checking your email and next thing you know, you're on Facebook because it dinged and (laughs) then you're, you know, in the Word document and you have to go somewhere else. And so what happens with that is that leads to burnout because tasks end up lingering and procrastination happens and things don't get done. So I think being really focused and having that schedule is super important. And then we talked about setting boundaries, and this is really difficult for a lot of people. They want to say yes to everything. And when you create those goals at the beginning of the year, it's easy to determine what aligns with what you should be doing. And then allowing other people to have some opportunities is always a feel good and a great way to not take on too much. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with the multitasking. The only exception, of course, is that you can get some exercise, you can go for a walk, and you can listen to the Toastmasters (laughs) podcast. (laughs) I agree. Yes. Awesome. Sarah, you just mentioned setting boundaries a moment ago. When you're working with a client who 
tends to chronically say yes to every opportunity, whether it's out of just getting caught up in the excitement and the appeal of something new or the obligation, the feeling of obligation. How do you help your clients begin to loosen that grip of overcommitment and start to erect some modest boundaries? That's a great question. And it really comes down to why are you saying yes? Why did you say yes to this opportunity when you knew that client you'd work with them before? They weren't a great client to work with. And many times it comes down to some emotional feeling like, well, I felt like I had to, or I didn't know how to tell them no. And so being a little more direct, like, thank you so much for thinking about me but I'm not taking on any work right now or that's not something I'm interested in working on is really important because sometimes people say yes to things because they don't know Mm. how to say no or they feel bad for saying no in that way. And so I think that is one of the first steps is really diving into why did you say yes to this? And sometimes it's quite frankly, because I need the money and okay, then How do you become okay with it knowing that you only accepted this job for the money? How do you get yourself through that so that in the future you can have clients that you don't have to say yes to? So I think that's what's really important is really digging into the why. Why do you say yes to everything? And sometimes it's right there and sometimes it's like four layers deep. Well, if you've gained some great knowledge from this episode today, folks, please say yes and share the Toastmasters podcast with your friends and family. You can find the Toastmasters podcast at toastmasterspodcast.com, toastmasters.org, Google, Apple, Spotify, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Ryan? Sarah, just want to take a moment and thank you for sharing with us today. And before we let you get on with your day, I wondered if you could share with us and our listeners how they can follow your work and how they could perhaps get in touch if they're interested in strategic coaching with Sarah Mayer. Well, I like to keep things super simple. So you can find me at Sarah, S-A-R-A, Mayer, M-A-Y-E-R.com. And that's my Instagram and Facebook handle as well. And don't forget to check out her podcast as well. Yes, I do have a podcast, the Bold Goal Crusher podcast. I love that name. Awesome. Sarah Mayer, thanks so much for coming on the show today. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Ah, Same. Thank you guys for having me. Isn't it about time you publish that book you've been thinking about? We can help with that. At ebookit.com. We've been providing authors and small presses with ebook publishing services since 2010. Visit us today at ebookit.com and let us know how we can help you.